Well, good morning again to all of you. It's good to be together. And who would have thought these stretch of four days here in November, right? It feels like September still. I mean, it's incredible. We've got some outdoor projects going on at home, so that has been a very good thing <laughs> to have a little warmth. Hey, we're starting a new series today called uh, Jesus in the Office. You can see that on the screen. And that might sound like it's going to be a series about um, you know, living out our faith at work or kind of Christianity in the office or something like that. But as important as all of that is, this is not a series about that. It's a series about grasping more deeply and fully what Jesus has done for us, kind of the, the full nature of our salvation in Christ. So Jesus in the office refers to Jesus being the Christ, holding the office of, of Messiah, and there's a story in the Bible, and if you're more familiar with the scripture, you've, you've come across this, where Jesus is with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them, hey, who do people say I am? And the disciples respond, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns to them directly and says, uh, okay, but, but who do you say I am? And then Peter makes his famous confession of the Christ, as it's called. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the, the title Christ means literally anointed one. Even though we say Jesus Christ, this bears repeating, right? We say Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's, it's his office, his title, uh, his role. So, so if you think about Christ that way, it would be a bit like saying Dr. Rachel or Pastor John. We say Christ Jesus. It's the title, the, the role that he was fulfilling. And in the Old Testament, there were three roles to which a person could be anointed. Those roles were prophet, priest, and king. So theologians talk about the threefold office of Christ. So that, that one office of Christ has three different aspects to it that correspond to these, these roles in the Old Testament to which people were anointed. So what that means is in Jesus, what we have is the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, and the perfect king for us and, and for our salvation. Now, I get it. You might be thinking right now, this sounds kind of heady. Why do I need to know this? I just need to know that God loves me and I need to be encouraged in my faith. Why it matters is this helps us understand exactly what it is that Jesus has done for us and is doing for us right now. And, and Paul prayed this for the Ephesians, right? Remember this prayer? He prayed that they might have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and, and deep is the love of Christ. And getting an understanding of the threefold office of Christ as prophet, priest, and king helps us grasp the love of Christ better. Uh, what would be a Reformed Church sermon without a John Calvin quote? So here's how John Calvin put it. In order that faith may find a basis for salvation in Christ and thus rest in him, this principle must be laid down. The office enjoined upon Christ by the Father consists of three parts, for he was given to be prophet, king, and priest. Yet it would be of little value to know these names without understanding their purpose and use. Thus the series. Let's all grasp what those titles mean and what they mean for what Jesus has done for us. 
Now, each of the smaller offices had a specific role, and here's a little chart that might help us kind of grasp it. All three of these roles were were roles of mediation, a kind of go-between, between God and people. And you can see that the prophet primarily speaks to the people of God on behalf of God. So the flow is from God to people. The priest primarily speaks to God on behalf of the people. So the flow is primarily from people to God. And the king, uh, you know, mediates the kingdom of God to the people of God. So the flow, uh, if in the line of of kind of King David, right, a a king of justice and righteousness, it's this mediation of the kingdom of God to, to people. So so today we're looking at Jesus as the perfect prophet. What does it mean that Jesus mediated God's word to us? Kind of come in this direction. So we're going to read a couple different passages in scripture now. And uh, and Megan will come to do that, I think. The word of the Lord this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, as well as from Acts chapter 3. The nations you will dispossess. Listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. Now you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. This 
is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Megan. So I heard a little bit about the promised prophet to come and how the New Testament identifies Jesus as that prophet. And, and to, to really grasp the significance of what this whole thing means, for Jesus serving as prophet, priest, and king on our behalf, we have to start by getting our minds around fully what the Bible says is our present condition apart from God, without God in our lives. And it's, it, of course, I think most of us gathered here know it's not good news, right? I mean, the, the, the simple diagnosis is that apart from God, we are, from a spiritual perspective, ignorant, guilty, and corrupt. And the scriptures teach that, you know, that, that apart from God, our thoughts are continuously evil. In Genesis 6, our understanding is darkened and we're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us due to the hardening of our hearts, Ephesians 4. We've exchanged God's truth for a lie, Romans 1. Our minds are blinded by the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4. We have Adam as our representative and are guilty of participating in his sin, Romans 5. We've offended God by sinning against him and in fact, we are born in sin, Psalm 51. We are corrupt, there's no good residing in us, Psalm 14. We use our bodies, which were fearfully and wonderfully made, to act wickedly. Psalm 139. We are naturally inclined towards sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, and idolatry. We're prone to anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Colossians 3. Swift to shed blood. We have no peace with God or neighbor. Romans 3. Apart from God, we are, quote, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Ouch. The biblical diagnosis of the human condition apart from God. So if you wonder why the world is such a mess, right, this is why. And as bad as the diagnosis is, the prognosis is even worse. I mean, the prognosis based on our situation apart from Jesus is quite simple. The wages of sin is death. The disease of sin is fatal every time and in every one, ultimately, from the perspective of of world in this life or life in this world. And, And no human being has the cure to that, right? Everyone dies because of sin. Death was not the way it was supposed to be in the beginning. So so again, the the important part for us is big picture, sin leaves us with three big, big problems. Ignorance, guilt, and corruption. And gladly, that's not the end of the story, but to understand the good news, you gotta understand how bad the bad news is. It's not just kinda bad. It's not, I'll have to work a little harder bad. It's kinda no hope bad, apart from God. But then, Christmas happened. God did something. It didn't start with Christmas, of course. It was a plan that had been long unfolding. And says the Bible, God moved into our neighborhood in the person of Jesus. Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one. Thus the prophet promised long ago the, the, the ultimate high priest and the king of kings. And these three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king, address directly our problem of ignorance, guilt, and corruption. It's the fullness of salvation for every problem we have. So today, a prophet 
to help us in our ignorance, our spiritual ignorance of what's really going on in the world and in this life and all of that. See, ignorance is, is healed by hearing from God, really. And Jesus is this prophet promised uh, by, by Moses long ago, by God through Moses long ago. Uh, the promise came in the passage we read from Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. That's what Moses said. And God said, that's good, I'll do it. Prophets represent God to human beings. So the flow is from God to human beings. Remember the picture here. Sometimes prophets foretell the future, but prophecy is much more about forth-telling the truth. Telling the truth about a particular situation, about what's going on, or about the world as a whole, or about what life is. God tells us the truth in Jesus. And if you're having any difficulty discerning what to believe these days, as followers of Jesus, we can rest assured that we have no difficulty in discerning whom we should believe. Jesus tells us the truth. I mean, as the capital P prophet, he's God's ultimate representative to humanity. In what he said, he represented God. In what he did, he represented God. In how he behaved, he represented God. Jesus is the light of the world. He claimed he had come to show us God the Father. Jesus claimed on multiple occasions to speak only what God had told him to say. Remember the picture, the flowing from God to people. Not because God had to do that, because God wanted to do that. Jesus spoke of the future. Jesus spoke as one with authority. Jesus' words were supported by his miraculous works. And, and Jesus didn't stop talking when his earthly life ended. He sent the Holy Spirit and Jesus continues to speak to us through the Spirit now reminding us of everything he said and guiding us into all truth and telling us what is to come. That's right out of John 14 and John 16. So, so you can see how all of these activities are bent. It's God's way of telling us the truth about life, about our life, about this world. Jesus told us the truth and Jesus tells us the truth. Right? He proclaimed our need to repent and believe. He proclaimed our pardon and forgiveness for sin. And he told us that the kingdom of God is right here. It's at hand. Literally within a, a hand's reach. Not way across the parking lot, not across town, not on the other side of the country, but right here. Jesus told us the truth and Jesus tells us the truth. A prophet speaks to people on behalf of God and certainly Jesus did that, but Jesus did not just proclaim God's word to us. He became God's word for us. And this is the way Jesus is the perfect prophet. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. God's word to us is Jesus. I mean, it doesn't get any more prophetic than that, right? In in fact, we as Christians say, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, And it's not something we made up. We pull that right out of the Bible. Colossians 1, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. So Jesus didn't just proclaim God's word to us. He became God's word for us. Also, Jesus did not just tell us the truth. 
He became God's truth for us. He embodied it. He incarnated it. I, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Wow! Jesus became God's word for us. Jesus became God's truth for us. And this gets to that part about, about grasping the love of Christ, how long and high and wide and deep, right? It, it's, it's amazing. It's stunning that, that the Christian story claims that the God of the universe came in person so that we might hear from God directly, not from anybody else, but straight from the horse's mouth. Not because he had to, because he wanted to. Right? The scripture is very clear about that too. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Now in the past when I've read that scripture, I've often thought of the one mediator. My mind most often goes to that priestly role. But think of Jesus as mediator in all three of these categories, prophet, priest, and king. Here, Jesus is the mediator of God's word to us because God so badly wants us to know. Not, not just kinda, not partly, but fully to live with great confidence in God's love for us. I mean, that's the truth and God wants us to know it. Jesus, the prophet, cures the spiritual ignorance that came upon us because of our sin. And as prophet, Jesus saves us from one of the effects of sin, ignorance, not knowing, being unaware. Now that's all nice and very biblical sounding and, and, and true, but what do we do with this in real life? How do we apply this? What does this mean for you and me in our, in our daily life? Jesus, the perfect prophet. Okay, what, what do I do with this? I mean, think back to where Jesus took his disciple, Caesarea Philippi. That, that city represented uh, uh, the, the kind of spiritual smorgasbord of options open to people in Jesus' day. In, in, that, in that city, there was a huge cave that was uh, thought to be the, the den of Pan, this, this god. Uh, and there, were, there, were, there was a pantheon of temples and things all over the city. And we don't know this for sure, but speculation is when Jesus asked his disciples this question, he had taken them up on a hill that overlooks the entire city of Caesarea Philippi where you could visibly see all these different representations of all these different spiritual options. Just kind of envision that, right? You're standing on this hill and right down there is all, this, all these options, the spiritual smorgasbord, and Jesus asks them, who do people say that I am? Okay. Who do you say I am? I mean, Jesus did that. And Jesus continues to do that. Right? We, we might not feel it, but we are really in desperate need of someone to tell us the truth. And Jesus, the prophet, the perfect prophet, did that and continues to do that. So, where do you need truth? In, in, in your view of the world and, and what's really going on here? Do you struggle with that? 
in, in relationships with some family members maybe or, or relationships that might be too enmeshed or, or too distant? You know, where do you need truth? Is it in your, in your financial life? Is it in your business dealings? Is it in your addiction? In your pride? Where, where do you need truth? Where do we need truth? We don't just get together for worship because we're supposed to. Jesus can, does, and will make a difference in people's lives. For real. Like a whole new life. Where do we need truth? One of the big ways Jesus makes a difference in our life, a very real difference, is by serving as the perfect prophet on our behalf and helping us move from ignorance to truth. And the truth is, apart from God, we are lost and miserable spiritually. And the truth is, Jesus the prophet demonstrates his love for us by saving us from that. That ignorance that came upon us because of our sin. And again, not because God had to, but because God wanted to and wants to live in deep abiding relationship with every person everywhere. Jesus, our perfect prophet, thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me, would you? God, we bless and thank you that you are with us, that you are God with us, Emmanuel, that there's nowhere we can go where you are absent. And we thank you that you've demonstrated the depth of your love for us in Christ, sending him to be the one who communicates to us, with us, on your behalf, that we might hear directly from you and know of your love for us. God, thank you. What an amazing thing. We bless you that that is the truth and that that is possible. And God, we want to receive everything you have made available to us today. So by your spirit, make it so, Lord Jesus. Renew us in your love. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.